Let's read in verses 21 through 24, John chapter 14. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. So demonstrating our love for the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to be assembled together to open thy precious word. And I pray that as we look into the Word of God tonight, that we be encouraged and strengthened and challenged in our walk with you, in our love for you, our devotion to you, and uh, not be deterred by the distractions and the uh, pitfalls and the disturbances of, of the world, but to set our hearts upon you and glorifying you with our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's you know, a lot of things we see in this passage. One of the things that's obvious is that, as you read these verses and think about it, what it says, is that God manifests himself to his own people in a way that the world has no understanding of or cannot, cannot even comprehend. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see and he's talking about comprehension there, not seeing with the eye, but comprehension. Cannot see the kingdom of God. Of course, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man receiveth not things that be of God. Uh, they, are foolish, neither, they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So, unless you have the spirit of God, you can't really understand much about God. Now, you can understand that there is a God. That's manifest by even by nature and the things the, the created world we see around us declares that there is a God. Again, the Bible tells that we call that natural revelation. And so natural revelation is available to anyone who will receive it. And I, and I, and I do believe that if a person will receive natural revelation, God will send them further light uh, to show them, reveal himself to them. But we see here that God manifests himself in a special way to those that love him, those that you know, seek after him, those that have a heart for him. Uh, Matthew Henry said, quote, Where love is, duty follows, of course, is easy and natural, and flows from a principle of gratitude, unquote. So as we consider this tonight, I want to notice I have five things here. We want to consider that, uh, uh, that how love demonstrates itself in our lives, first of all, it shows in preservation. In uh, verse 21 and verse 23, he says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And again in verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And this, this speaks of really preservation. We can think about this in, in a couple of ways. You know, it's a responsibility, it's a God-given responsibility and that God has given to his churches, his people, 
to preserve his words. The, the word keepeth here can mean to guard or protect. And, it, you know, we've, we've uh, uh, too much given over to the world, publishing houses, the responsibility of getting the word of God out to the world. It's not their responsibility, it's ours. It's the church's responsibility. That God has given the churches his word. John 17, verses 6 through 8, Jesus said, I've given unto them thy, thy word, and they have received them. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Of course, the Old Testament was given to the nation of Israel, and they were to guard it. They were to protect it. They were the, the guardians of it. And you know, sometimes you ought to read the rules by which the scribes set down for copying the word of God. And they were very strict about it. They had very detailed and, and stringent rules. I mean, if there was a mistake in a page, you know, I, or, or in a series of pages, I can't remember all of it how exactly, but they threw the whole thing out and started over. Uh, before they write the name of God, they go wash themselves. And, you know, just a lot of things that they, rituals, you might call them rituals that they went through, but to show the the, the carefulness and the, how they honored or revered the word of God, and they were very careful how they copied it to make sure it was exactly as it was given. And, of course, when you come to the New Testament, you know, and if you, if you uh, uh, those same kind of things, when you think about the uh, translators, in fact, when we were away, I, I saw this thing online. It was put out by BBC, and I thought, this will be interesting. You know, BBC isn't really a conservative news organization but this guy was he was he did a did a uh, uh what do i want to call it a documentary on the translation of the king james bible now I, I didn't really quite agree with everything he said but his you know so he's investigating how the how this came about how king james appointed you know who, who some of the guys he appointed and they were really in a sense opposing groups that were were given responsibility of translating the Bible. You know, there was the Puritans and the Anglicans, and the Puritans were, they were trying to purify the church, and they were trying to, you know, to straighten out the church. The Anglicans, and they were, they were kind of opposite and against each other. And so these two groups, so that made a good, <laughs> you think about it, that makes a good way to make sure each group does what's right, because they could check each other. They weren't necessarily the best of friends. So, and, 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 you know, and the scholarship and the rules that were set down and all that. And, and the guy said, you know, and, he, and he would, throughout this documentary, he, he would read, like, the, I think it was the New English version he read from, you know, where the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and he read that, and he said, yeah, that, that, don't even, that don't even sound close. It doesn't sound honoring to God. You know, I can't remember how, exactly how it said. But to the conclusion of the whole thing, he says, he said that the Bible, the King James Bible, was the height of literature at that time. And the, and the way it was going to, it, it leaves you without a doubt. He said, I'm not an atheist, nor am I a believer. But I have come to the conclusion that they did. They, with the way they did this, it, it gives evidence that these, they considered these the words of God. You see, see, and, and it's, it's, of course, it's been God's people that God has given charge to be custodians of, 
keeping the word of God. In Revelation 3, 8, in Revelation 3 and verse 8, uh, the church at uh, Philadelphia, he says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut up, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Uh, of course, uh, Matthew twenty four thirty five says, and Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And then in Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19, we have those uh, very strongly worded verses where it says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So this is a serious charge given as to how we are to handle the words of God. It's a very serious thing. Um, you know, not a jot or a tittle will pass from law to all be fulfilled, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. So we are, we are being given the responsibility to be guardians of the word of God. Uh, we are also given the responsibility to, to heed to it, hold fast to it. Titus 1.9 says, holding fast the faithful word. We must hold fast uh, to those things, uh, the word of God, and, and declare all the counsel of God. So, so our love for God is shown in, in preservation of his words. Because uh, really the, the, the reality is, if you read John 1, 1, and verse 14, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same as was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 says the word was messed flesh. The word is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it reveals the person of Christ. It is the per- about the person of Christ. And so an attack on the word of God is an attack on the person of Jesus Christ. So it's shown, our love is shown in preservation. It's shown in dedication. In dedication. Uh, again in verse 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. In verse, again, verse 23, Jesus answered the Son to him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which he hears not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So he that hath my commandments, you know, if we're going to keep his commandments, we have to know what they are. We have to know what they are. So love for the Lord is shown in our dedication in learning the word of God. And learning the word of God. You know, we see you know, examples of this throughout Scripture. The Bereans were more noble than them at Thessalonica in that they searched the Scriptures daily. So they were people that studied the Bible. They were studying the Word of God. They didn't have all the New Testament yet, but what they had, they were, they were studying. And, you know, the, the Old Testament Scriptures um, and checking out and, and examining them in light of what was being heard Uh 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says that they heard, they heard the word of God and they, and they followed them. So 1 Peter 2.2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere mark of the world that you may grow thereby. So there, so there has to be a learning. We ought to desire, there ought to be a dedication to the word of God. You know, Joshua 1.8, and I never really thought about this before, but it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
what does usually when when you're thinking about things that out of your mouth is that not departing and yet it says this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night so you're spe- it's talking about speaking it if it's coming out of your mouth you're speaking it and yet it's not to leave you it's not to leave you you're to meditate on it do you ever talk to yourself you know paul said you know i'm beside myself um well he was accused of being beside himself and much learning doth make him mad uh but you know and again, the idea of memorizing is to mull it over, to ruminate, and, and, and so we ought, to, we ought to talk to ourselves the word of God. Go over and over and over in our minds. Consider it. Think about it. That's the idea. Um, that's the way we learn it. You know, sometimes I'm studying... Sometimes I'm studying for a message or something or, or reading something, and, and sometimes I just get up and start pacing. Now, I'm not pacing because I'm angry or pacing because I'm upset. I'm pacing because I'm thinking about it. I remember I was at a church working one time, and, I, and, I, and I, it was, it was a, on a, a wing that was built on the church. I won't give away where it was. But anyway, it was a, I was working on this wing. Well, I, I went to go down to the basement to to look for something I thought was down there. And the pastor had been in his, in his office earlier. So I went down to the basement and come out into the open section of the basement, and here he was, walking back and forth across the floor. I knew what he was doing. You know, he, was, he was meditating or, or mauling over and over in his mind something that he had been studying. And, and you know, the, that's what we need to do with the Word of God. We need to learn it. We didn't mull it over in our minds. Um, you know, cons- consider what it says. Uh, consider, you know, you know the, the Bible stories, the stories of the Bible. What is the instruction or the application for us? They're not just stories. They're real life happenings of real people, of God dealings with them. And how when they did right, God honored them. Yet sometimes they suffer because of it. Other times, you know, the, the, the consequences of their sin are disobeying God. You know, all those things are instructive for us. Uh, and so they're, they're given for our learning. First Corinthians, Paul said, wrote to the Corinthians, hey, the Old Testament scriptures, they're given for our admonition, for our learning. They're examples to us. Somebody said every New Testament doctrine is, is illustrated in the Old Testament somewhere. And I believe that is true. Uh, so these are the things, you know, it, it, we need to be learning the Word of God, committing it to our minds and hearts, reading it over and over again. You know, one of the ways, best ways of memorization, memorization is just read it over and over and over again. So dedication, learning, he that hath my commandments. Again, that requires that we are diligent uh, in, in our in our study and, and, uh, of the scriptures. Third thing we see here is our love for the Lord is shown in manifestation, and that is we make it known. It says again, He that hath my commandments, verse 21, to keep them, 
he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Now it says here, the Lord would manifest himself unto those that, that love him. And again in verse 23, of course, Judas asked, how? How will you do that? And not to the world. Jesus answered and said unto him, If man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. The word which you hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. So it will be shown if there is a if there is a keeping, a dedication of the word of God, it will manifest itself in life. Now This doesn't happen just by wishful thinking, although it is automatic if certain things are evident in a person's life. You know, if, you are, if you are a person of the book and you're see, really seeking to learn and, 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 and searching the scriptures, it's going to show itself in your life because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, you stick a sword in you anywhere, is it going to change you? Absolutely. It's going to change you all right. You know, we, we think of knives for surgery. You know, if you got something bad in your life that needs to be taken out, what are they going to do? Well, you know, they used to say, well, i got to go into the hospital, I'm going to go under the knife. In other words... They're going to, I'm going to go into surgery and they're going to take my appendix out or my tonsils out or, you know, or, or whatever it might be or open heart surgery and remove some blocked arteries and put in some new ones and, you know, whatever, whatever they're going to do. But you're going to go under the knife. Well, when we, when we apply ourselves to the word of God, what we're really putting ourselves under is the knife. It's like a knife. And it pierces the heart and intents. The, the very uh, the, dividing a son of the soul and the spirit and the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's going to affect all of that. All of that. So it will, be, it will reveal itself. Uh, it will reveal itself. It, you know, of course, it reveals itself. We, we know we have passed from death and life because we love the brethren. You know, the, these, are, these are things that are written in the scriptures. Uh, there will be a love one for another. <coughs> Excuse me, John thirteen thirty four and 35, Jesus saying to the disciples, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, yet ye have love one to another. Now, you know, if you study the life of the disciples before the crucifixion, they were often comparing themselves among themselves and arguing about who was going to be the greatest. This sounds like a lot of us, right? You know, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest right up till his arrest in the garden almost. But you don't see any of that afterward. Uh Yes, something changed. Something changed. Their focus, see, has changed. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. 
Jesus had already spent three and a half years with him. But the more time you spend in the Word of God, the more your focus changes from this to this. And when your focus is like this, it affects this. It shows itself here. And so it will show itself. and It manifests itself. And, and again, it has the idea of making known. You know, this, this thought is found in Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present. That word present means the, has the idea of yielding yourself to show. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. So it's something that the world is going to see. It's going to manifest itself. Paul's telling you, look, you need to, you need to manifest yourself as a living sacrifice. Show yourself as a living sacrifice. Manifest. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Paul speaks of this in writing to the church at Thessalonica, who, was, who were under persecution, and he says in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. You know, this was church was started under persecution. Remember, Paul came there, preached the gospel, and he got run out quite quickly. He went to Berea from there, and people came from Berea. The Jews stirred up the unbelievers, or the, the Gentiles at Thessalonica, and, and then they sent to Berea to try to run him out of there too. You know, so this church was started under these tribulation persecution. So nothing has changed. It's still going on. And he, but he says this, your patience and faith that you've endured, here's what it is, a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. So it was, a, it was manifest. What they were doing was manifesting to the world that the life of God was dwelling, was, as it says in John, he said, we will come and make our abode with you. And we're going to dwell with you. So there needs to be this manifestation, of course, by loving one another. Uh, submitting yourselves one to another, uh, obeying those uh, over you. Again, this is evident in, in, uh, first, in, the, in the book of Thessalonians, chapter 1, first, first Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 6, they became followers of us. Chapter 2, verse 14, again, became followers of the churches in Macedonia. So considering their conversation, there was dedication, uh, which could be seen. And, and so, uh, you know, again, our love for God demonstrates or shows itself or manifests itself in our living, in our living. Matthew Henry, again, said, where, the, quote, where, the, where there is true love to Christ, there is a value for his favor, a veneration for his authority, and an entire surrender of the whole man to his direction and government, unquote. You know, again, we see this in Ephesians chapter uh, 4 also, Ephesians 4, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 
in verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. You put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then he goes on and talks about things that we need to put off and things that we need to put on. And, you know, again, this is a continual progression. We call this sanctification. Your justification happens at a moment. When we repent of our sin and put our faith in, just, faith, uh, in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we are justified, declared righteous. We're also sanctified. We're set apart from the penalty of our sin, but there's a sanctification that is progressive. You know, as we walk with the Lord, we put off things and put on things. We put off sin, put on things, right things, and so on and so forth. And it's a continual thing. Uh, uh, it should be a continual thing until the day we go to be with the Lord. So, so it's shown, it manifests itself. Love is shown in, in uh, manifestation. It's also, fourthly, Shown in separation. In uh, chapter 14, in verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, it says, Jesus said that he and his Father would come unto those that love him. We also know from Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except to be agreed? And we understand that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's not going to change. So if we're going to go from a place of not walking with or dwelling with God to a place of where God abides with us, who's going to have to change? God doesn't change. It's we who change. And it's as we are separated from our sin. Of course, we're separated from the penalty of sin the day we get saved. And as we walk with the Lord, we continue to separate from sinful behavior and practices. And, and so, when, as we do that, he says, we, he, this is what the Lord said to his disciples, we, that's he and the Father and the Holy Spirit, this is a plural word here. We will come unto him and or her and make our abode with him or her. Discover everybody here. You know, it has nothing to do with gender. It has to do with our person and our relationship with the Lord. But if we're going to do that, we have to be in agreement with God. We have, to be, we have to love him. We have to be drawing near to him. We have to be separating unto him. You know, one of the things that people don't, some people don't like is, you know, some people say you shouldn't hate anything. Well, Psalm 97.10 says, You that love the Lord hate evil. In fact, look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And two times in Psalm 119, 
104 says, Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Verse 128. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Now, we say, well, that's just David. No, it's not David. This is inspired of the Holy Ghost. See, there is some things we should hate. You that love the Lord, he says, hate evil. Hate evil. Much is revealed, but what you hate. But what we hate. And we ought to hate that which is evil. We ought to hate false doctrine. In fact, Paul, you know, the Bible gives some very strong wording concerning false doctrine. And, and uh, for example, in Romans 16, verses 17 and 18, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So he says we ought to avoid them. In other words, don't receive them into your fellowship. Um, if they're teaching a false doctrine. Now, that, now, nowhere it says we need to hate evildoers. I don't think. I should look that up. Uh, but, but anyway, we're not to hate people. Uh, Jesus, Jesus loved his enemies. In fact, Jesus really didn't have, as far as he was concerned, there was nobody that was his enemy except the devil. But he was considered their enemy. You know, we're not we're not going out and you know uh, trying to trying to make enemies, but we ought to hate every false way. Hate it enough that to witness and trying to instruct people lovingly of the errors of the way, because the error of their way or their false way is going to lead them to damnation and destruction and hell for all eternity. First uh, John two fifteen says, "Love not the world, neither things in the world. If any man love the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in him." So we're not to love these things of the world. We ought to hate evil, hate that which is evil. Now look at Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians five, <clears throat> verse one: Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, hath given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no homemonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for you are sometimes darkness, but now ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So we're to reprove we're not to have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. We're to rather we're to reprove them or expose them. Um, you know, this is what Jesus did. 
You know, he he, you know, and and, and you know, he used different tactics with different people, depending on their approach or their response to him. You know, to the to the Pharisees, he got very very blunt and plain. He called them some really nasty things. Why? Because their obstinance against him. And, and again, it was a warning to them. Look, you need to repent of your ways, your wicked ways. Now, with the Samaritan woman, he what, but he was straightforward with her. But I think you see a different demeanor with her than you do with the Pharisees. Uh, <clears throat> he was very warning with the Pharisees. And so, you know, we're to hate. We're to separate from that which is evil and cleave, cleave to that which is good. You know, the thing, the question we should ask is, you know, not is it okay, or does, we should ask, does it please the Lord? Does this rightly represent a holy and righteous God? We are ambassadors for Christ. And so it is shown in separation. Of course, there's a lot of verses we could look at. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Now we read all for sake of time, but but it talks in verse fourteen about be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, what concor- communion hath light with darkness. You know, it's, it's like mixing oil and water; the two don't mix. And what agreement hath the temple of God of idols? Verse sixteen: If you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So again, he's talking about God wants to walk with His people, His churches. Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dear beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if we're going to have that relationship, he talks about abiding with us in John chapter 14. We have to be continually separating from evil. There must be separation. This love is, shows itself in separation. When we become aware of things that are evil, we separate from it. Separate from it. And then lastly, this love for the Lord is shown in proclamation. Again, in verse 24 uh, of John 14, <clears throat> he says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which hears not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Uh, we're to keep his sayings. We're to keep his sayings. And of course, one of his sayings or his commands is, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, Isaiah tells us. In Acts 1.8, She shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And so... You know, we are we have been given a command as saying that we are to keep. We are to proclaim it. We're to proclaim it. Uh, Psalm sixty eight verse one says, The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. You know, we're to we're to make it known, to publish it throughout the world. Romans ten fifteen says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. Do you have beautiful feet? I don't know about you, but mine mine don't. I 
I don't like showing my feet. Uh, not the prettiest part on my body, you know. Um, but the Lord says, if you preach the gospel, it considers that having beautiful feet. Of course, your feet have to take you to where you preach, to, to, to uh, where you taking your place to declare the good tidings. You know, we, give, we have an illustration of this in 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7. The story of the four lepers. You remember, Samaria is besieged by, uh, I think it was Benadad. And, uh, and of course, uh, a, there was a famine. Uh, two women killed one of their sons and ate him. Uh, a donkey's head was sold for $50, according to my calculations. And, uh, and these lepers were sitting at the gate, starving with everyone else. But because they were lepers, they had to be outside the gate. They weren't allowed inside the gate. And they're sitting there at the gate, and they're talking to each other, and they're saying, you know what? We can sit here and starve to death. We go to the camp of the Syrians, and maybe they'll be kind enough to give us something to eat. I mean, so what if they kill us? We're going to die here of starvation. So they decide to take their chances with the Syrians and go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they got to the camp of the Syrians, they found the camp deserted with all the provisions left. Money, cloaks, uh, tents, everything. Is, the only thing was was not there was the army. Everything else was there. All kinds of food, and they started to have a feast. And all of a sudden, one of them thought, you know what? We do not well. We have all this, and everybody else is back there starving. We need to go and tell. You know, we have life everlasting. We have the words of God. If we don't tell, we do not well. If we love the Lord, we demonstrate that by telling the world that the Lord loves them also. So how is is the, is the love of God being demonstrated in your life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. Time in your word tonight, we thank you for how it encourages us, challenges us. And I pray that you help us as your people to be salt and light, to love one another, uh, to um, be holy, to walk with you, to keep your commandments. And, Father, to be a light and testimony of this lost and dying world so without hope on the way to devil's hell. So, Father, just give us the strength and boldness and encourage our hearts and maybe allow the Spirit of God to use us to glorify you, to reach those around us that know they not. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.